pray about. No, y'all good. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you, Coach. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Sorry. Good. Thanks for working with me. I uh, never – yesterday I was coming – I dropped my kiddo off at school, and it's like I'm in at 8.45 every morning. And then yesterday I hit traffic, and it was like 9.30. And then today – same thing. It was backed up a little bit. So thanks for pushing it back a couple no minutes. Worries. Of course. Thanks so much for, for, for talking to me. I know you're, you're headed off tomorrow, so I, I appreciate it. Absolutely. So, so was it a, tell me about this off season for you. Was it, was it different this year because of kind of what happened last year? You have all these new expectations hanging over your team's head. What was it like for you? No, I mean, I mean, not really crazy different, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, the season ended and you start recruiting and it's kind of figuring out both short term and long term, you know, evaluating our team last year, kind of seeing what the draft was going to do to us and, and try to plug maybe a few holes that that we needed to plug from that standpoint. And and, uh, and our assistants did a great job of that, you know, bringing in some really key pieces that I think uh, um you know, plug some holes, losing Troy Schreffler and, and Chris Aileen and Ryan Ramsey and Maxwell Costas. Those are those are some pretty big innings on the mound and some pretty big at-bats at the plate. And um, so just figuring out how can we maybe plug some holes and some things there and then looking towards the future of, you know, the 24, 25, 26 recruiting classes of making sure we're getting the right kids in to keep this thing moving. So, um, you know, nothing crazy. I think, you know, you're – a little bit more people talking about the program, which is the yeah. goal, and some excitement around that, which is great. And um, but outside of that, man, it's kind of business as usual for us. Well, you mentioned um, new additions. One I think that a lot of people are really excited about is Matt Woods. Can you tell me how that kind of all happened? Yeah, you know, obviously the transfer portal is crazy, you know, and how that works. It's the wild west in a lot of different ways, but um, we try to be really methodical in that thing and make sure we're, we're bringing in the right kind of kids and kind of balancing that, you know, as you have these freshmen coming in, if, if we're going to become the school that all these freshmen see us bringing 15 transfers every year, that makes it not appealing for those kids to come to Maryland. So we wanted to make sure we're doing it right. And, you know, Troy Schreffler was a guy we knew Bubba was done. You know, his eligibility was done outside of, you know, professional baseball in general. But, um, you know, with, with, with Schreffler, we knew he had the capability of doing what he had, he did last year. He just hadn't quite put it together in a full season. And he did that last year. And so we're looking up halfway through the year being like, okay, you know, let's we need to go get one outfielder out of the portal because we were expecting Troy to slide over and be our center fielder next year. Um, so we were kind of planning on doing that. And and obviously Woods got in there and, and um, you know, we'd played them a ton. We played Brian a lot in our career. So I knew him. I'd seen him play. And so when he got in the portal, we we got on the phone with him and had a conversation with him. And, um, you know, it kind of boiled down to three schools, really Rutgers, who was his former coach, Steve Owens at Bryant is the guy at Rutgers now, us and North Carolina. Those kind of became the three. And um, you just don't know what they're thinking, you know, like, does he want to go play for the guy that recruited him? Does he want the allure of, I mean, he just won the NEC player of the year. Does he want the allure of, of North Carolina and what that brings with it? Um, and it was very evident really early in the process. He had a good year last year. He hit 380 with eight homers. I mean, big time year. And, and didn't get a chance to play professional baseball. And I think in his mind, he did not approach that as, 
I'm being overlooked. He approached that as I need to develop and get better because clearly what I'm doing now is not enough. And and he wanted to go somewhere that had that. He wanted somewhere that had a strong culture, and he wanted somewhere that he could go that they cared about winning. And um, so we went through the process with him at the end of the day and ended up boiling down to us in Carolina. Um, and, you know, you know, having done this for a while, those are that's not usually a school you want to go up against. Yeah. You, don't, you don't get to win too many of those battles. But I think the reason that – we beat them in that situation has nothing to do with us and everything to do with Matt Woods being a extremely professional young man that knew exactly what he wanted. And he felt like we, we offered him a chance to really develop and, and to help him grow and to get to work with Swoper every day with what he's done with our hitters and, and want to be a part of it. And I'll tell you what, not only has he been great on the field, but that guy is, he's a leader. He's an unbelievable human being. He's a superstar, so I'm looking forward to you guys getting to see him play a little bit and, and getting to know him throughout the year because what a special kid. Yeah, I know we're all really excited to to see him play. We've all heard great things about him. What can what can the fans expect to see from him? What can what can they expect to see from a guy like Matt Woods? Yeah, I mean he's he's gonna hit somewhere in the middle of our order. He'll hit four, five, six for us. Um, you know he's he's a blend of speed and strength, which I think is really good. You know he he can use the short game he can execute he can do some of the the small ball type stuff you'd expect out of a veteran hitter um but he can also drive the ball out of the yard you know i mean he had eight homers last year last weekend we played three inter squad games and he had five homers in two days so there's some thump in there too you know i don't think you're going to look up and I, I i could be wrong i don't know that he's going to go be a 30 home run guy but i think there's enough in there where he can drive the ball out of the yard he can hit doubles he can steal bases um, he plays good defense. He's he's a great teammate. More than anything, I think that's the one thing that's really rare. You know, you bring in a guy out of the portal, and and he's an incredible clubhouse guy. Like his his the way he carries himself in the locker room, the way he leads people. Having only been here for four months, I think it's tough. But that speaks to the volume of who he is. So I think he's a dynamic type player that can do a lot of different things. Has great baseball feel, and man, all that guy wants to do is win. And those are my kind of dudes. Uh, that's that's awesome. I'm sure he's going to be a great piece. So we've talked about uh, guys who are coming in. Let's talk a little bit about guys who are coming back, uh, and specifically, of course, Matt Shaw and Luke Schliger. What I mean, they just blew the roof off of the Bob last year with seasons that they had. What are you expecting from them this year? What do you feel like their ceiling is? And also, um, this was we saw this yesterday. What went into the decision to? Give Luch Ligger number three. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think a couple things. Number one, those two are unbelievable human beings. And you talk about the the guys that lead our team. It's not not even close. It's those right. two guys. I mean, um, Matt Shaw, I, I'll probably coach for another, I hope, 60 years. I don't know. I'll coach till I'm 90. Um, I'm going to coach for a while, and I may never coach a kid like him again. And I mean that not because he's just – strictly the most talented kid and I think that's so easy it's so easy for other players it's so easy for people on the outside to be like man that guy's the guy's just a freak he's so good what they don't see is the way that guy goes about his business every day and his biggest attribute that guy is so intentional about everything in his life from from his nutrition to sleeping to all of that stuff that guy there's a reason for every single thing that guy does and I think that's why he has that success. You know, he's a very confident kid, but I think that confidence comes from knowing that he's prepared himself, knowing he's quote unquote sacrificed or been disciplined to the point 
of of doing what he needs to do. And, um, you know, I think the sky's the limit for Maddie. When he told me he wanted to play shortstop a couple of years ago, I was like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, you can go over there and take some crown balls. I'm going to get back over to second when the year starts. And he's relentless, man. He, he went out there and he won the job at shortstop and hasn't looked back since. It looks outstanding over there. And, you know, I have scouts all the time. They ask me, you know, do you think he can stick there? I don't, you know, is he a shortstop in the big leagues? And, Said, so I'm going to tell you what, like, the reality is that Matt Shaw is who he is because he believes he's a shortstop in the big leagues. And the second he stops believing that, he stops being who he is. And, excuse me, he's um, he's relentless. I, we're going to watch him play on TV and make a lot of money. There's no doubt in my mind. He's he's a great teammate, done a great job with our guys, and expecting a huge year. And, and no different from Luke. Luke is, Luke is passionate. Luke is fiery. Luke is a little bit Bubba 2.0 in a lot of those ways. Like he wears his emotions on his sleeves. He's, he's just, he's relentless, man. And all you need to know about Luke Schligger is that regional final, that game seven we played last year against UConn. You know, he's, he's got a hundred degree fever, hundred plus degree fever. He's in the dugout. I didn't know if he was going to play. I was trying to talk him out of playing because I didn't, I didn't think he'd be able to make it through. And, and he basically said, shut your mouth and put me in the lineup. So I did. And he goes up and hits hits a homer to lead off that game and catches all all nine innings and had a couple more hits and was a superstar through that. So that tells you a lot about who he is. And you know, Luke's very similar to Maddie. That guy's preparation's elite. Um he's kind of the straw that stirs the drink for us. That's kind of how what I've said. He's our team feeds off his energy. Our team feeds off off him and especially from the offensive standpoint, you know that guy Shoot, I felt like he was on base to start every single game last year, it seemed like. And when he does that, you've got guys like Sean LaRusso rolling up behind him. That becomes a pretty scary thing for a pitching coach to have to navigate. So, um, you know, expect huge things from Luki. He's he's really a self-made guy, you know, a guy that was probably overlooked by a lot of people in high school because of his size and it's not the biggest. And then turned himself into a really good defender behind the plate. Um along with what he can do on the offensive side of the ball. And I think some of that boiled down to giving him number three. You know, I think I've had teams in the past here that that uh, maybe didn't have a guy worthy of wearing number three. This team, very honestly, I think there's five or six guys I could put them in and, and it would make sense. And I think that speaks to why this team's got a chance to do some special things is, is the best players are also the best leaders. And I think that's extremely rare, but but pretty exciting. So as we were kind of evaluating that, who – Who's kind of this representative? Who's the guy we want to kind of be, be the guy that they watch play and say, "Yep, that's it. That's that's Maryland baseball right there." And I think so much of boiling down to his passion, the way his teammates view him, the way um, the way he goes about his business. And very honestly, it boils down. I could have flipped the coin with him and and Sean, giving it to either one. You know, I mean, they both do things at such an elite level. But unfortunately, it's not football. I can't put two guys in number right. three, and we felt like one thing that kind of separated it for us a little bit was was the fact of, of Luke's position on defense as well, being a catcher and being able to kind of be that liaison between both the pitching staff and the offense and what he can bring to the table in that regard. And, um, you know, so we had we had five options. We could have thrown it to two unbelievably op- good options that there was no – there was no right or wrong answer there, um, but decided to give it to Lukey, and and I think he's going to do that number in the history of it very proud. So one more about the position players. So obviously the you stick Matt Woods in the outfield that fills 
one of the holes that was left by Bubba and Troy. Talk about first base for a second, because that's another one that is a little bit, I guess, murky going into the season. I think there's a little bit of an unknown there. Obviously, Maxwell uh, signing with the Orioles. What are you expecting from that position this year? Yeah, so we've had two guys working out there all fall, um, you know, really three. Um, we've had Eddie Hacopian, Ian Petrutz, and Mike Boma over there, um, you know, and I think at to start the year, it's really going to be kind of Hacopian and Petrutz kind of leading the charge there. Mm-hmm. You know, Eddie, Eddie will start their game one, Hacopian will start game one over there. Um, you know, Eddie's it is, it's a legacy of Maryland, man. His dad, Derek Kokopian, won the Triple Crown in the ACC back here at Maryland. Could really hit, was a big-time player um, back several decades ago. And, and Eddie's kind of like I said with Luke, is a self-made guy. His his brother's a superstar. His brother's going to Wake Forest next year. He's an elite, elite player. Um, Eddie had to go out to junior college, went out to Cyprus out in California. And, and even out there talking to his coaches, it was like, yeah, he's – you know, he's a solid player. We'll see where he fits. And he did a little bit of everything, played some second base, played some outfield, played all around. And and we knew we were kind of getting the jack of all trades there. And so for us, we basically said, hey, let's throw him at first base and see what it looks like. And he hadn't played a ton of first base and has made himself into a really good defender. He plays – he's a guy that, that our fans are going to love watching play because it is – you know, for fans back in the years of 14 and 15, it has a lot of Blake Schmidt vibes to him. Like, not not always the prettiest at times, but plays exceptionally hard and just gets the job done. Um, he's going to hit 5-4, so what he can do offensively in the middle um, between, you know, Petrutz and Woods and being able to split those guys up and, and do some things there is huge. And and so Eddie's going to get the nod to start. He kind of separated himself a little bit with the defense, but Ian has worked his tail off. Ian's kind of a career outfielder. Yeah, um, that's interesting. I was going to ask about that because yeah. he he didn't get any action at first base. It was, it was yeah. like the age. Yeah, was a career outfielder. Played some first base when he was younger, but, you know, kind of looked at it and said, hey, here's a need. You know, we we have pretty much our outfield set. Here's, here's kind of a need for us and see what it looks like. And, and Ian has turned himself into a very adequate first baseman. I have zero issue at any point plugging him in over there and letting him do it. And he's working to get better every day. He knows he's not a finished product on defense at first. And uh, that's a huge position defensively. I think the days of first base being your big fat guy that can't do anything but hit homers and stand at first are over. You know, they make that first baseman makes our whole infield better and saves runs and saves errors. And so it's a, it's a premium position for us defensively. And um, Ian's working his tail off, keeps getting better every day. And I think having both of them there gives us the ability to do some things with the lineup and to play maybe some matchup stuff and to, to move some guys in and out and, and to do some different things. So I think you'll see a combination of those two guys over there. Gotcha. So now let's talk a little bit about pitching rotation. The biggest thing I think that, is, is Nick Dean coming back for, for his senior season. I think that I think he wouldn't really be happy with the season he had last year. It was a little up and down. Um, what went into the decision, him coming back another year, and what are you expecting from him this year? Shoot, that was our, our biggest get out of the summer was Nick Dean coming back to school, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think I, I really respect – Nick Dean and his family an immense amount because he had an opportunity to leave if he wanted to. Um, you know, he could have signed. There was plenty of teams that wanted to sign him, but Nick had a number in his head and him and his family said, you know what, if I get offered this amount, I'm going to sign and go. And if I don't, I love Maryland. I'm going to come back and we're going to run it back. And 
you know, had a lot of teams talk to him, but kind of held his ground and said, Hey, I have no, no problem doing this. And he's come back and been a better version of himself. Like, you know, he's been at times 92, 94, and it was kind of the, the jump we were kind of waiting to see from a velo standpoint with him. Um, but he's thrown the ball extremely well. He's, he's just the most consistent arm on the staff. Like, it doesn't matter if Nick Dean has his A plus stuff or his D stuff. That dude's going to give you seven or six, seven, eight innings and give up two or three runs and give you a chance to win. And that's what I preach to our starting pitchers all the time is it's you, your job is not to go strike everybody out. Your job's not to pitch at a one. Your job is to give us a chance to win the game every time you touch a baseball. And I think that's what makes Nick Dean who he is, is, is that guy is just mega consistent. Um, we're going to run him out on Saturday this this opening weekend, and and I think it's huge because I think you're gonna you're gonna be able to save your bullpen in that in between game because he's he's going to get you some length, good, bad, or different. He's got the ability to give you some length and come out of the game in the sixth or later with a chance for you to to be in striking distance to win the game, and that's what starting pitching is all about. And you know, I think a lot of guys don't know that like. He did have a bit of an up and down year last year. He was as good as it gets the first four weeks of the year and had a little bit of a forearm issue. You know, we got it looked at structurally. Everything was fine, but just form would tighten up on him in about the third inning, and you could feel it. It was just like a knot in there, and it was just some muscular stuff that, you know, he refused. He didn't want to miss the Sienna start that we made him miss to try to give him some time, but but he did. Um, and then kind of battled with the whole year. He didn't have another outing the rest of the year that he felt good. And you still look up and he still turns in a really solid year for us. So getting him back is huge. I think it really stabilizes that, that rotation and, and, you know, with a superstar like savvy on the other side of him, it makes it, makes it pretty fun to run those two out there to start. Yeah. So you talk about, you talk about savvy. So assuming he's going to be the, the Friday night guy, um, he's kind of had to sit, he's had to sit between or behind Sean Burke and Ryan Ramsey. It's kind of his turn now. What are you expecting from him this year? And also you mentioned Dean going on Saturday. What are your thoughts right now about Sunday guys right now? There's definitely, yeah. I'm assuming a couple of guys that are in the mix to, to start those games. No doubt. Savvy's Savvy's ready. You know, I, I mean, that guy's prepared really hard pitch with team USA a little bit this summer. Um, came back. We use the fall really to get his body right for what's going to be a really long season for him. You know, he didn't throw a ton this fall trying to get in the weight room, trying to do some things to get his body ready to sustain a really big year for us this spring. Um, but he, uh, man, he's, he's as good as he's, we're getting the best version of Jason Savickle right now. He's sinking the ball. He's got a feel for what he's doing with the baseball in his hands. That guy is the ultimate competitor, kind of the way, Shig is on the offensive side of the baseball. Jason's that on the on the pitching side. And, you know, he pitches with some emotion, and I think that makes him who he is. You know, we've talked to him about that. Like, there's a difference in sucking your thumb and, and whining and pitching with emotion, and I don't ever want him to not pitch with emotion because that's what makes him who he is. And he's been outstanding. He's had an outstanding preseason, um, kind of the same thing like Nick. I think that's the one thing. I told him, I said, you have the ultimate secret weapon. At any point with a right-handed hitter, you throw the two seam and it's a ground ball to a first-rounder at shortstop. So if you ever don't know what to do, turn that ball over, get the ball on the ground, and then go get that guy and move on to the next one. And and I think that's what allows him to get really deep into games is, is he's usually pretty – you know, his first career outing as a freshman, 
he went a complete game on like 94 pitches. And he did that because he gets so much early contact on a two seam and it's starting middle, middle guys move on it and it disappears and it's a ground ball to the left side. And when you have Shaw LaRusso on the left side, that's an out. And so, um, He's been outstanding. He's ready to go. I think he's in great shape. I think he's in a really good mental place. Um, I think sometimes we take Jason Sabical for granted. And by we, I mean me, because he's been so good his whole career right. that, you know, I it wasn't until, honestly, the other day, I actually went back and looked at his numbers from last year. I looked at him like, yeah, Jason was good last year. He had a great year. But when you actually look at what that guy did last year, it was absurd what he did. And how deep he got, how many innings he threw, the ERA he pitched. I mean, it was absolutely asinine what he did last year. And so he's ready to step into this. I think he's worked hard. He's prepared, and I'm ready to go unleash him on the rest of the guys. He's ready to go. Um, and then on Sunday, you know, it's been – we, we kind of had a two-man race going into this thing, and Nate Haverth here and Kyle McCoy. Nate's a transfer from Ohio State. Kyle McCoy's a superstar freshman we have from up in Hunterton uh, Central up in Jersey. And – um Nate, I will give him credit. Nate has completely revamped who he is as a pitcher. You know, he threw last year at Ohio State and was a weekend starter and pitched about a seven, eight, nine ERA. Hey, I mean, here. it wasn't very good. You know, and yeah, and we and we got after him pretty good here. Right, yeah. Um, and at the time, he was like a four seam fastball changeup guy, and like it was fine. Like he was throwing like eighty five percent fastball. So, and even though that thing was ninety three, ninety five we can turn that thing around a little bit. And and that's what happened to him last year. His fall was kind of up and down. He had moments of good, and then he had moments where he gave up runs, kind of in bunches at times. And I credit, you know, Mike Morrison and him, our pitching coach and, and Nate, on going to work on saying, hey, what do, who, who am I? What's going to make me good? And he's kind of shifted. He's completely remade who he is as a pitcher. And it's now like two-seam slider with a changeup that's – I mean, with the change up he was throwing last Saturday, if he throws that thing this year, ain't no many too many people gonna handle that. I mean, it was an elite change up. Um, but that's what he's done. He had an unbelievable preseason, has thrown the ball outstanding. Kyle McCoy, same thing. Kyle McCoy's a freshman for us, left handed physical, kind of three quarter slots, some deception to him. Is is the future Jason Savkul of Maryland baseball. That guy's gonna be the guy that um I mean, we toss the ball to on Friday night and say, "Hey, go, go get us Pickville. Like, let's go, let's go do this thing." Um, but I very cognizantly with him, you know, I look at what happened to Jason his freshman year. Jason was elite for four starts, four or five starts, absolutely unhittable elite. But then he started getting tired, and by the end of the year, he wasn't as good. It was flatter. He got hit harder. The velo was down, and some of that is just the workload of being a freshman. You know, he was. He was tired. He wasn't great late in the season. And I talked to Kyle from day one. I said, we're going to be in the postseason, and I need you to be at your best in May and June. And so we very consciously kept Kyle's workload down. So meaning we've pitch counted him every outing at 30, 40, 50 pitches, trying to keep the pitch count down, understanding that if I, I could go run him out there for 95 pitches this weekend, but I'm going to have him for – six, seven, eight weeks, and he's going to start getting tired because every freshman in the history of college baseball does that. So we've kind of made the decision to kind of based on the success of what Nate's done, throwing the ball slash, making sure we use Kyle the right way of we're going to move Kyle to the bullpen and let him kind of run games out for right now. And, you know, it might be a thing where 
Jason gives us six innings on Friday night and we're up six to two and we flip the ball to Kyle and say, hey, go finish the game. You know, so he'll be a guy that's throwing three, four innings. We're going to continue to build his pitch count out. You're not going to see him very much in a one inning stint the way you would a lot of bullpen guys. He's going to be kind of a little bit more of a a longer length bullpen guy that is going to throw in games that really matter. I think he's one of our top four or five arms. So he's going to be throwing when it matters. And we're going to keep building his pitch count out of the bullpen so that one of three, I mean, one of a couple things happens. You know, if you have an injury to any of those three, Kyle's now built up to plug straight in. If you have one of those three guys going through a little bit of a rough patch, you have Kyle that you can pop them right in. And it also gives us one of our top five arms with the ball in his hands with the game on the line. And that's one thing I want. I want I want Kyle McCoy getting the last out at USF, at Ole Miss, at, you know, up in the Cambria class. I want him recording the last nine to 12 outs because I trust him that much. And so um, Nate's going to run out there opening weekend, so we'll go Savvy Dean Nate to start this thing off and, and use Kyle in that role, kind of that hybrid role um, as we continue to build him up. And like I said, I think that gives us four – very, very legit starters as we as we go into the months of May and June. And you and I both know looking at our season last year, we we sure could have used more yeah. one more starter to help help get through that thing. Well you mentioned that he is a freshman. Um are there any others that you think that Turk fans should should have their eye on this year, especially uh in the bullpen because there's def there was definitely a loss of a couple key bullpen guys, Will Glock and Sean Hine. Yeah, we've been we've really solidified that bullpen a little bit. You know, we brought in Kenny Lipman, who's he's not a freshman. He went to D three school Denison and actually graduated there early. He's got two years of eligibility left, but um is gonna be a really key piece out of that bullpen. I mean, it's it's kind of a low slot with a little bit of ride to it, which is a little bit different from the right handed side. Um, but it's a really good slider. Um you know, he was kind of a hybrid guy for them. You know, he started some games, came out of the pen for games. We're going to use him more than likely, at least to start out of the pen and kind of that seventh, eighth, ninth inning is kind of a, one of our leveraged arms. And he's been outstanding. You know, a kid named Tommy Kane is a, a junior college kid, lefty that mid-90s fastball. I mean, it's been 94, 95 at times this, this preseason with a really good breaking ball. Uh, and, and he's a little bit crazy, which I think is outstanding for – for, for a lefty out of the pen, um, obviously Dave Falco's back. Nigel Belgrave is continuing to move the right direction. Um, you know, there's a young freshman in Eli Stowe that has absolutely electricity in his arm. I mean, it's a 92-94, um, really good breaking ball, really good breaking ball. And, you know, this fall didn't throw enough strikes, kind of scuffled a little bit there, but – has just keep working and has has been outstanding um, as far as being back this spring, throwing the ball much better. He's a guy that, you know, we want to continue to build the right way and get him to the point that we're running into conference play and, and he's a real weapon out of our bullpen. Um, and then a returner, one guy that on our entire pitching staff that I might be the most proud of is Ryan Van Buren. You know, Ryan pitched for us last year, um, had success here and there, is an unbelievably great kid, really, really good kid. Um, but man just went and really worked and has really carved out a spot in the top eight arms for us now. You know, whether we're using him as a midweek starter, whether we're using him out of the pen, has really carved out a pretty unique role for himself in that situation. And is a guy that I trust just as much as anybody with the ball on his hands. So, you know, I think 
you know, I, we've gotten a million questions about that, about, you know, have we bolstered the bullpen? That was a weakness. That was this, that was that. And so much of it was just youth. You know, we had so many young guys. We were down five arms to start at the beginning of the year. So because of that, we had to really lean on Hyde and Glock way more than we probably wanted to early. Um, and the negative, you know, the positives, we won a lot of those games. The negative is those guys were just beat by the time we were in May and June. They were just exhausted. And they gave us everything they had. But we just had to use them so much early that that affected us. And so – we're healthy. We have a good crop of those guys ready to go, and and I think I think uh, you know Coach Mo and Coach Pap worked their tail off to make sure that pitching staff is going to be ready to go. And I'm very confident that that we got a good group of them down there. Well, you mentioned you know staying ready in May and June. How important was the experience that your team got last year in Omaha? You know, as the number one seed the Big Ten tournament, then you come home for the College Park Regional. How important, you know, when you look at, you know, maybe the expectations for this team are obviously a lot higher than last year. How important was the the late games that you guys played in last year? I think it's it's extremely important. You know, I think there's it, there's something to be said for it not being your first time there. You know, and I thought our guys handled it really mature. I didn't think they got too bright-eyed. I thought they stayed in the moment really well, but – you know, there, there's so much that goes on to hosting that regional. I remember, you know, looking up in the stands, we're kind of in the pregame meeting in left field before we before we kind of take the field and get ready to rock. And you're looking back and there's the stands behind us are full of people. There's 1,200 people behind us. There's 2,500 people in the stands in front of us. And there is this moment of like, oh, my goodness, this is awesome. Like, and you're kind of taken in by the moment. Now, I thought last year's team did a great job of like, recognizing that and then flashing right back in and said, okay, let's, let's get back to work. We got a job to do, but there is something to be said for it not being the first time anymore. You know, if we, if we put ourselves in that position to do it again, um, you're going to look up and guys are going to expect it. It's not going to be shocking to them. And, and, uh, and I think that's huge. You know, anytime you can play those games in the postseason and, and, and it not be your first time, you, there's just that experience that you can't really replace, you know? So, a lot of guys back, a lot of guys back is a big things. And I think that's what I'm most excited about is, you know, everybody has told us what a great year we, we had last year and they did. And that's very well deserved. But I think our guys have a really sour taste in their mouth from watching UConn dogpile at our place. That was, they were well deserving, man. That was a tough group of kids, tough coaching staff. They're great people, but I think it left a sour taste in our kids' mouths and they're ready to get started this, this Friday down in South Florida. So I know you've, you've talked about this a lot already, so I'm sorry to, to to beat the drum, but talk about the Bob for a second. Obviously, there were some discussions last year about could the Bob host the regional, and it did, and it was obviously, as you just said, it was fantastic. Have you had conversations with uh, Athletic Director Damon Evans about potentially making some upgrades to the Bob? Yeah. Yeah. We've been talking. I mean, when you come in, you'll see, you'll see this year, we've got all new pads this year, which I know seems like, like nothing to most people, but it really cleans up the look of the field, you know, so all new wall padding, which is nice. They install new lights, which I, I joked with Damon. I said, you know, one of our biggest home field advantages is the fact that nobody could see the ball when we went in the air, right. except for us. Cause we knew where it was. Um, but they installed all new lights, spent a lot of money getting those new lights in. Um, and, you know, been told by, by, you know, President Pines and Damon that we're going to have our uh, indoor facilities construction is going to start this summer. So um, looking forward to getting that in place for our guys. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, 
they had the they had the option from an administrative standpoint to kick the can down the road on the hosting site, and we could have gone to an offsite place. We could have gone to be you know a number one seat on the road. That stuff happens a lot in college baseball. Um, and credit to them that they didn't, and they found a way to make that thing. I tell you what, I've been to South Carolina in the postseason. I've been to UCLA in the postseason. I've been to Virginia in the postseason. I've seen those places, and they don't. They have nothing on what we what we put on here in the atmosphere that was created in our place. I mean, you know, you have Mike Rooney, who's a big time commentator on college baseball. He spends his time at LSU and all over the place. I was talking to him this this offseason. He's like, Rob, I'm I don't know if I've ever seen an atmosphere like that. It was it was rowdy. It was electric. I mean, they were hanging on to every single pitch and they were engaged. They were hooked in. They were rambunctious. They were everything that, that we are as people. Like they brought that to the table and what an incredible environment that was. And it really started earlier in the year. You know, we had good crowds kind of starting the Penn State weekend. We had 2,500 people there and we had some good crowds. But goodness gracious, they were rabid during the regional. And that's what we need this year. I want, we're going to put a product on the field that's fun for people to come watch. And, and that's what I want. I want, I want this place to be an awful place for other teams to come in and, you know, I had Penn State's coach, a good friend of mine, Rob Cooper, and he told me, he was like, dude, when we played at your place, it felt like it was a dang rock concert while we were there. And I was like, yep, that's it. That's who we are, man. We're rowdy. We're crazy. Um, and we need that out of our group this this spring. So uh, just two more for you, Coach. First, the the non-conference schedule. Um, it's it's unlike anything I think this program has ever seen. You got trips to, to USF this weekend, Ole Miss is is an amazing trip for you guys and then you talked about the cambria college classic what went into scheduling this schedule this year for you guys yeah i think i mean i think number one the the selection committee last june made it loud and clear that conference standings they don't really care about in our league you know it's they made it all about strength of schedule and who you play and again how steve owens and, and rutgers got left out of the ncaa tournament last year's one of the biggest travesties in college sports, I think. I mean, the team won 45 games, finished second in the conference, was in the conference championship game at the tournament. Like, it's a joke that they got left out. But what we heard loud and clear is you better schedule right. You better go win. You better schedule tough teams. And and so I think it was a combination of that kind of combined with the fact that we knew we were going to have an older group this year. And I think, you know, I made it clear to our guys, like, obviously I want to go out and win every game. That's, that's the way we operate. We kind of burn the boats to do whatever we got to do to win every game. But at the end of the day, not every year goes the way it did last year at the beginning. You go down and sweep Baylor, you go down and sweep Campbell, which ended up being crazy because that team was elite. Um, But very rarely do you go start a season that way. So I wanted us to be in a situation where we push ourselves against really good teams. Um, and if we start the season 7-0, and 8-0, 9-0, man, that's awesome. Let's keep rolling with that thing. If we start it and we're a couple games over 500 or 500, whatever it is, this team is mature enough to not press the panic button. And that's one thing I knew. So I want them to go experience that. Like, obviously, our plans here, we want to host another regional. We want to host a super here and we want it to get rowdy. But if we're going to play in Omaha, if we're going to – go on the road for a regional or on the road for a super, we're going to need to get used to playing environments like, like Ole Miss. You're going to have to get used to doing that. And to get to the Mecca of college baseball in Omaha, they don't just pass those things out. You got to go through 
and beat elite level teams. And that's what we're going to see in Ole Miss. That's what we're going to see in USF. Those guys were in a super two years ago. We're going to see that in the Cambria College Classic playing, you know, playing Ole Miss, playing Vandy, playing a good team in Hawaii. Like we're going to, we're going to be tested. Shoot, we got West Virginia as our first home Great, opener man. here. It's going to be uh it's going to be a bear to walk through, but that's what we're doing. We're, we're preparing to be good in May and June. We're preparing for the atmosphere and we're trying to set our team up um, to be where we want to become May and June, regardless of whether we're 0 and 9 or 9 and 0 or somewhere in between. Let's, let's, between me and you, let's hope we're not 0 and 9 or I'm being a dark place. But, um, but yeah, that's what we want to do. We want to prepare ourselves to be really good late. And I think the schedule really does that for us. So I guess my last thing, Coach, is what is your what is your message to to Turp fans, to Maryland baseball fans, as you guys get rolling this weekend? I mean, I I think it, the one thing that's been very clear to me in my eleven years here at Maryland is, gosh, Maryland people love winter. Man, they do. They show up when you win, and we felt that the last two years. They are. It's an incredible fan base when you're putting a good product on the field for them, and. I think we've got a good one this year. I think it's going to be one that they're going to – it's a fun brand of baseball to watch. I think we're going to hit some homers. I think we're going to play with a lot of energy. It's going to be a fun brand of baseball to watch. And, you know, I think we talk about that all, all the time, like block out everything on the outside and go play our game, you know. But, but I tell you what, it feels real good when you when you walk out to the bottom and there's 2,000 people there and they're they're re- rocking and ready to go. So hopefully we can get some good weather this spring and – and play a good brand of baseball and then come out and see us because it's going to be a it's going to be a fun show fun ride this spring well coach thank you so much for your time i know you're fired up all of us at mbn are fired up for this season we can't wait to see what you guys do we're looking forward to it man good luck this weekend in tampa and i'll see you on tuesday for for west virginia sounds great sounds good i appreciate you having me yeah of course coach thanks everyone thank you all right Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Yep.